Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. Marine. When he was in college, he would use his talent as a world-renowned hog caller as a way to pick up chicks. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. It is December 24th, 2020. It is Christmas Eve. And any other year, the week leading up to Christmas would normally be pretty quiet. But much like everything else in 2020, this week leading up to Christmas has been very different. Because with the news out of Washington, the markets have been all over the place. And that's why we're going to catch up with Matt Trannell. He is a market advisor with EverAg in Platteville. He's going to join us towards the end of the show to break down what we saw happening in the dairy and the grain markets. Yesterday, the dairy markets were way, way up there. So what exactly is going on there as we continue to work through some of the details of that COVID-19 stimulus package? And then also we have an update for you on the Maple Leaf Cheese Cooperative situation that has been unfolding over the last couple of months down in Greene County. So stay tuned for that. And then yesterday was a mild day. Today, not so much. Ag meteorologist Stu Muck is going to join us live this morning to tell you what you need to be expecting on Christmas Eve as well as Christmas Day and then into the weekend. All of that is straight ahead right here on the Midwest Farm Report. Former Alice in Dairyland and current Farm Report extraordinaire Caitlin Riley joins us from La Crosse in just moments right here on the Midwest Farm Report. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin soybean community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. You know truck duallys, but have you thought about a dual career providing the ability to farm and work for great benefits? From farm implement parts to medical equipment to power tools, Signacast builds the things that help build America. Work shifts allow for 78 fewer days at work per year. Signacast is now hiring production and maintenance employees at their Hartford location, a clean, high-tech workplace. Build your future at Signacast.com slash careers. Say, have you heard of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation? Yes, it's a grassroots organization of people just like you that care about keeping agriculture strong. By joining Farm Bureau, you also qualify for a number of money-saving member benefits on equipment, autos, travel, and insurance. Get more details at WFBF.com. A voice for farmers, vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. 
Merry Christmas from all of us at the uh, Midwest Farm Report. Bob Bosol here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And looking back into 2020, there were a lot of interesting stories. And one that really got a lot of attention for a short period of time was this seed, mysterious seed packets that came in the mail, traced back in most cases, I think, to China. And uh, Caitlin, you had a chance to... Uh, follow up on that story a little bit. What's the latest? What have you heard? Yeah, that's right, Bob. It's Kate and Riley here at the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse. And there was people who are getting these unexpected gifts in the mail. Some of them had ordered seeds and they got packets that were unlabeled or there were people who didn't order seeds at all and all of a sudden were getting these packages. And it was a big concern for agriculture industries because they weren't sure if these were invasive species, if this is something that could damage our agriculture outputs, our food systems. So I had the chance to talk with this with John Latham. He's with the American Seed Trade Association. And before we dove into the topic of mystery seeds and where the progress now stands, I wanted to get a little bit more information about his organization, their credibility, and what they do, because the American Seed Trade Association didn't just become relevant in 2020. Yeah, the American Seed Trade Association has been around for, gosh, over 125 years now, and we represent uh, over 700 seed companies from across the United States and a whole host of different sectors all the way, we like to say, from alfalfa to zucchini. So in the Midwest, you know, we think of corn and soybeans, but there's a whole host of vegetables, seed. We represent companies that do a lot of trade around the world. Uh, a lot of seed can be moved up to six times before it gets planted. So uh, it's a lot of regulation around the world, and we help navigate that for companies in the, in the United States. And I know that this year, one of the big headlines that we saw, one of the many big headlines that we saw in 2020 were mystery seeds that were entering the United States. Did you have any handle in working with that and trying to get to the bottom of what was happening there? Yeah, the American Seed Trade is, has taken a role in that. Uh, we understand there's been more than 20,000 reports of people receiving unsolicited seed shipments. APHIS has received over 10,000 packages for testing, and they found more than 4,000 different types of seeds. So it's really a mystery. We think it's a, a brushing scheme that companies from outside the U.S. are doing. They'll send something to somebody, whether it be seed or another product, and then they'll try to use that information to put a, a favorable review on social media and sometimes sell that information to other companies. So so certainly if you get that seed, don't plant it because the, who knows where that seed came from or if it has disease in it. So yes, yeah, it's just a real mystery and, and American Seed Trade Association has just tried to provide information to people about what's what's been happening there. And so is that something that's still actively going on or as far as you, as you know, have the reports of people getting seed slowed down? I think it has slowed down. I think there are still some seed Coming out, one thing that some of this has come through Amazon, and Amazon has actually done a good job of blocking the import of all seed, and other companies have, have done the same thing. So that's that slowed it down considerably. Now they've got to find other ways to get there. But, yeah, it's still going on, but it's, it has slowed down considerably. What other key areas of either concern or growth have you noticed in 2020? Is there anything in particular that stands out? Yeah, well, it's been a weird year in 2020. My, I was planning on traveling all over the country and the world 
for American Sea Trade this year, but I haven't traveled at all because of COVID-19. But we're still getting the, the word out about a lot of different important topics, one being innovation, and then specifically within innovation is gene editing. And gene editing is something that we've been working with the USDA on. It's kind of the next frontier. Gene editing, we can do what we do with conventional breeding, but we can just do it so much faster. And so we want to make sure that new companies are able to be able to work with gene-edited products and not not be overly burdened by regulation. So we've had some great conversations with EPA and the USDA and our folks in uh, Congress, too, to, to have some common sense consistent policies regarding gene editing and innovation. And how does gene editing differ from GMO? Because I know these are very complicated topics that our producers and consumers have questions about. The way I like to think of it, if gene edited products, they can be a biotech, but most of the time a gene edited product is something that you would do within that same species. So you may take a gene from another corn plant and put it into a different corn plant, which is like what you would do with conventional breeding. Now, when you get into a GMO, that's when you would take something from outside that species. Let's say you had a cactus and you wanted to put a drought gene into corn. Well, that would be more of a biotech event. So a lot of the gene editing is, is just really advancing what we're doing with conventional breeding and being able to bring new products and solve problems that farmers have right now. So, so yeah, we just want to educate people and, and make them under, you know, especially our regulators, what's, what's going on and how there's a lot of benefits to uh, what's going on with gene editing. Are there any particular industries that you see greater benefits for, for gene editing than others? Is this more for our soybean and corn producers or maybe for our fruit or vegetable growers? Yeah, I would say both. Vegetables has never had a biotech event where corn and soybean has, but uh, you're going to see both big and small companies uh, doing gene editing on, on corn and soybeans, but also on uh, on vegetable seeds too. And, and you'll see it can solve different diseases that they, they couldn't do. It takes a long time to do a conventional breeding, but like in tomatoes, we're having some different diseases that have, have uh, inflicted tomatoes, and, and we can use gene editing to help solve those issues much faster than what we could through just conventional breeding. What do you think our consumer percent or perspective is when it comes to hearing gene editing, things like that? How can we bridge that gap between these advancements and our consumers who help us keep doing what we're doing? Yeah, it's all of us take a role in agriculture to to talk to our friends that live in urban areas that maybe you're getting misinformation about what's happening and how the benefits, because there's benefits to the environment, there's benefits to our production in the future. So, you know, it's, it's really, there's a lot of great things that come from it, but sometimes we've got, we've got the other side that likes to, uh, I would say, misconstrue things sometimes. So I think it's really important for all of us to talk about the great things about not only in the seed business, but agriculture in general that we're doing and, and to uh, fight against some of the misinformation out there. Going back to when we were addressing COVID, you know, you said that it's changed your job. You're not traveling as much as what you were before. Is that in any way hindering our advancement when it comes to the research of these products? Or is this something where we are able to continue developing in this new realm of virtual formats? 
Yeah, it's certainly different than what all of us were planning on 2020. But the good thing is that the administration has labeled uh, those of us in the seed industry and most in agriculture as essential workers. So we've been able to continue to, and I don't, I don't think we've seen a lot of slowdown in research work within companies. So, you know, it's something we've all got to overcome and find new ways to get things done in, in 2020, but been really proud of the seed industry to be able to persevere and to really continue with some of the advances that need to happen. Are there any foreseen challenges? And I'm sure you guys have been around since 1883, so you know this in and out. Any foreseen challenges with a transition, another election cycle, and you're working with the government to try to make sure that these regulations are something that we can work with? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, we'll have, looks like a new uh, new administration coming in. So we've got a lot of work to do to develop new relationships there within the administration, within the USDA. And then there's a whole host of different folks on Capitol Hill. So we've got a work cut out for us and it's going to, you know, a little bit more difficult because I was planning to fly to, to Washington, D.C. And, and I, you know, just haven't done that in the last several months. But hopefully we can get over the hump in the new year and with these new vaccines and we'll be able to start doing some traveling again because it's really important. I mean, we could do a lot over the phone, but those face-to-face relationships really make a big difference. I think those are all the questions that I have for you, but is there anything else that you would like to add, John? Anything else that you want people to know? The American Sea Trade, you know, trade is part of our name, and uh, it's really important that, you know, the USMCA was a new agreement that uh, came out that's been been very popular between Canada, the U.S., and, and Mexico, and we think that these type of agreements hopefully will be kind of the the way moving forward in future agreements, whether it be in Asia and around the world. So really happy with USMCA and and hopeful that that we'll have a a bright future for trade for the U.S., uh, which is good for all all farmers. Thank you, John. And once again, that's John Latham with the American Seed Trade Association giving us a closer look at what's happening in the industry that's really at the heart of a lot of things that we do in agriculture and how it could impact our consumers and producers alike. From the western end of the world's longest barn in La Crosse, I'm Kenton Riley. Should you be wearing shorts or industrial-grade insulated pants? Around these parts, it's tough to tell, but not for ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Weather is up next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know truck duallys, but have you thought about a dual career providing the ability to farm and work for great benefits? From farm implement parts to medical equipment to power tools, Signacast builds the things that help build America. Work shifts allow for 78 fewer days at work per year. Signacast is now hiring production and maintenance employees at their Hartford location, a clean, high-tech workplace. Build your future at Signacast.com careers. Shop I-39 Supply in any weather. I-39 Supply's huge indoor showroom and over 200 trailers in stock. Yeti coolers, Vortex optics, and 04 outdoor hunting blinds. I-39 Supply, trailer service and more. I-39supply.com. Rural Mutual Insurance. 
Keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. That's the sound of NyQuil Severe hard at work. No tossing and turning, just rest and recovery. NyQuil Severe, the nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, aching, stuffy head, best sleep with a cold medicine. Use as directed. Keep out of reach of children. A man that knows any food tastes better when deep fried and served on a stick. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. Woo, talk about the difference 24 hours makes here in Wisconsin. Yesterday, I was outside in nothing more than a light jacket. This morning, Stu, I think it took 25 minutes for my car to heat up. And uh, from what I understand, we're seeing some pretty cold temperatures all around the state. Oh, yeah, very cold temperatures around the state, Josh. In fact, uh, you know, the swing from yesterday, it was somewhere going to be like uh, 40 degrees different between daytime highs. So the cool fronts pass through. It's going to keep some very cold air in store. That low pressure system moving up into southeast parts of Canada. And there's still a bit of light snow in northeast Wisconsin. Flurries or a stray snow shower, not out of the question almost anywhere in the state today. But it's just not going to amount to any more accumulation. Oh, a little dust may collect here and there, but that's about it. It's the cold air building in. Even colder as we head through tonight. But sunshine returns for Christmas Day and Saturday. The temperatures rebound as well. A little cooler than normal yet tomorrow. Back to above normal for Saturday and Sunday. And Alberta Clipper zips in Sunday may account again for just a little light snow later in the day. I'll have forecast details right after this. Everyone at the Wisconsin Soybean Marketing Board lives and breathes Wisconsin soybeans and can be your knowledgeable ally in the field and at home. With important grower alerts, timely production advice and industry news, and expert-generated grower research, we are the resource to help your crop and business thrive. Stay in the know and connect with the Wisconsin soybean community by finding Badger Bean on Facebook or by visiting badgerbean.com. You know truck duallys, but have you thought about a dual career providing the ability to farm and work for great benefits? From farm implement parts to medical equipment to power tools, Signacast builds the things that help build America. Work shifts allow for 78 fewer days at work per year. Signacast is now hiring production and maintenance employees at their Hartford location, a clean, high-tech workplace. Build your future at Signacast.com slash careers. Ag meteorologist Stu Muck joins us live right now. We're connected via Skype. So, Stu, I got to ask the age-old question. Are we going to have a white Christmas? It depends if you saved a little snow somewhere to look at when you want to have a white Christmas (laughs) because that's about it. We're not going to add much today. Flurries, maybe a stray snow shower now and again. More likely in eastern Wisconsin, less likely in the west. Temps staying cool Oh, let's say 12 degrees, you know, maybe a low teen in eastern Wisconsin, single digits in the west, and strong west and northwest winds 10 to 20, gusting to 30. A few flurries and a few clouds tonight, even clearing out later on, and we drop down to the single digits above zero east, below zero in the west. 
Winds out of the northwest at 5 to 15. Christmas Day, mostly sunny, just fine. Upper teens, but very chilly with northwest winds at 5 to 15. Wind chills a good 10 below or so. By Saturday, mostly sunny, back up closer to 30 with west winds at 5. There'll be some clouds and even just a little light snow later Sunday, but low and mid-30s expected then, Josh. So it depends where you're heading if you're going to see a white Christmas, but around here, hopefully you saved a little bit somehow. (laughs) All right, well, Stu, uh, we're off tomorrow, so you and your family have a Merry Christmas, and I will talk with you on Monday. Merry Christmas to you. We'll see you next week. Yep, we'll catch you then. That's Ag Meteorologist Stu Muck. Like I said, we are off the air tomorrow, but we will be back on Monday the 28th. So from all of us here at the Midwest Farm Report, I hope that you have a very Merry Christmas. And remember, you can get Ag News 24-7 by going to MidwestFarmReport.com. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Johnson Tractor has new Case IH equipment on hand ready for immediate delivery. And 0% financing makes it really easy. Find year-end savings on in-stock Case IH combines, tractors, and planters. Johnson Tractor will sweeten the deal when you trade in your current unit. Call Johnson Tractor today and find yourself in a new Case IH for a great price. Johnson Tractor, Janesville and Judah. Johnson Tractor, from land to lawn. Hey, there goes Pam Yonke in her suburban truck across Wisconsin. Thanks to Cleary Building Corporation. They protect what you value. Visit clearybuilding.com to see the Cleary difference. Equity Livestock Co-op. Marketing your livestock, financing your operation, and supporting the livestock community. And Wisconsin Farm Bureau, the state's largest general agriculture organization. Join now at wfbf.com. Keep up with Pam on social media. Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and Twitter and at MidwestFarmReport.com. Since 1995, the Global Positioning System, or GPS, developed by the U.S. military, has been operational for civilian use. Please proceed to the highlight. Today, the men and women of the Air Force Reserve continue their vital mission, guiding you safely on your way while protecting the freedoms we all enjoy. The United States Air Force Reserve, guiding and protecting America. No matter your traditions, the holiday season has always been about coming together. Don't focus on the preparations and the hustle or bustle. Enjoy your time with the family. And just like Christmas is a time to gather, so are funerals. Trust it to us at Gunderson Life Celebration Centers. We'll handle the details. You catch up with loved ones safely. Find us at GundersonFH.com. We're always there to help. Gunderson Funerals, serving Dane County for the past century. Right about now, you're probably saying, lazy boy, they just have recliners. It's okay. Everybody says that at first. Well, don't let this get around. Lazy boy has more than recliners. Hmm, I don't know if I should say this out loud. Lazy boy has more than recliners. But it's as if there's an inner voice telling me that I should share this important information with you. Yes, that's me. Lazy boy just isn't recliners. Well, against my better judgment. Are you kidding me right now? Lazy boy has more than recliners. Recliners! Finally! Dining room, bedroom, entertainment centers, tons of accessories. And when you shop at Lazy Boy, professional interior design is free. Oh, 
Did I say that out loud? Totally. Redo one room or redo the whole home, you can get it all at Lazy Boy. Like I always say, Lazy Boy has more than just recliners. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy home furnishings and decor. Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. No doubt about it. The best seat in the house is the one in your bathroom. The toilet is one of those things you never expect to act up or break down. But when it does, Benjamin Plumbing will have one of their capable service techs check things out. It could be something as simple as a float valve. Or it could be you're due for a brand new, comfy toilet. And not to worry, the majority of Benjamin Plumbing's residential repairs are more affordable than you might think. Plus, they stand by their work with a warranty on all parts, labor, and repairs. Temperamental Toilet? Contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. You have a healthy business and you've weathered the changes. To help plan for 2021, visit Signs by Tomorrow's interactive signage map service. One certainty for next year is that signs will be critical in your continued success. Signs by Tomorrow will help with COVID signage, back-to-business signage, and delivers a fresh new creative look for your image that can increase your bottom line and competitive edge. Visit signsbytomorrow.com forward slash Madison. Imagine it. Signs by Tomorrow can do it. Your holiday menu can stretch as far and wide as you want when you shop for your holiday ham, turkey, prime rib, and more at UW Provisions and Local Source Foods. And the season comes to life. UW Provisions Retail Stores carries a sled full of holiday cravings. Visit UW Provisions Middleton and Local Source Foods in Sun Prairie. Stock up for the holidays at Local Source Foods in Sun Prairie. You'll find specials on holiday prime rib, UW sirloin steak, whole duck, and holiday meat gift boxes. All right, Robbie. Okay, it wasn't the prettiest of wins for the Packers over the Panthers. Aaron Jones showed up in a big way. What's your uh, final takeaway uh, on their win as they retain that number one seed in the NFC? Well, I mean, I, I think there's some things to clearly be worried about. You know, they are 11-3, and Evo, but I think something that a lot of fans overlook or maybe just, you know, don't know or haven't paid attention to is we're 14 games into the season, Evo. They've only played three teams with winning records. Um, obviously that's going to change here coming down the stretch, not just, not just Sunday night when they see Tennessee and maybe the Bears game, you know, the following week, but certainly in the playoffs when they're going to have to win a couple of games to make it to the Super Bowl. But, I mean, they, they beat the Saints in week three, a team that's 10-4 and four right now. They lost to the Colts, um, and they lost to Tampa Bay. Evo Colts, I think, are ten and four. Tampa Bay's nine and five. So they're one and two. Evo against teams with winning records. So it, you know, when, when a, a game like Saturday night finishes, you, you do clearly ask yourself, how good are these guys? And Rogers himself said after the game, they haven't put together four consecutive quarters of good football um, throughout the course of of this season. Now, uh, you know, the positive is obviously from their perspective, they win the game, right? You look around the league. The Rams are losing to the Jets, right? The Steelers are losing to the Bengals. I mean, anything can happen in this league. They picked up another game on the Saints when the Saints lost to the Chiefs. So, big picture-wise, Evo, they're in great shape here coming down the stretch. I mean, a lot of people may not realize this, Evo, but they can lose Saturday night 
or Sunday night, I'm sorry, and as long as they beat the Bears in Week 17, they're going to be the number one seed uh, in the NFC. Um, they, they can afford a not-a-conference loss right now. They, they've got a one-game lead uh, on the Saints and the Seahawks, and the way the tiebreakers are going to work, if uh, you know if they lose that Tennessee game, it's just not detrimental. It's, it's not going to hurt them in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. The only thing that can hurt them coming home here is a loss to the Bears in terms of giving up that number one seed. We know how they've dominated Chicago during the Favre and now Rodgers era. I think I think Rodgers is 20-5 and five or something like that against them. I'd have to go look at the numbers again. But he's playing about 800 you know, football against these guys, winning about 80% of the time. So it, it, it still clearly looks really good for a number one seed, Evo, but there's, there's un, undoubtedly questions, right, as, as you head to the postseason. Are these guys good enough to string together back-to-back wins in the playoffs against – I mean, let, let's just – Let's just say it outlines like this, Evo, where they open with Tampa Bay and then they have to beat the Saints, or or maybe they open with the Seahawks and then have to play the Rams, or whatever the scenario is. Do you feel good enough about them winning two straight home games against teams of that quality to reach the 55th Super Bowl? And and I would say right now that, that that's kind of a coin flip, Evo. Yeah, it definitely is, Rob. All right, let's move. Let's advance the story then, because what's the Packers' Achilles heel? You know, teams with winning records we were talking about just there, or a team with, you know, a nasty front seven, or a team with a really good running back. We've seen what, you know, Delvin Cook has done. We saw what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. What do you think Derrick Henry is going to do of the Tennessee Titans Sunday primetime against the Packers at Lambeau Field, Robbie? So Henry comes into this game, Evo, at 1,679 yards, right, which is 321 away from, from 2,000. You yeah. think he's getting to 2,000? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I mean, he'd need a Ron Dean, Melvin Gordon. But if, if it were to happen, though, perhaps, if it were to happen, though, I, Robbie, wouldn't it happen against the Packers? If it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen Sunday night. No, you're, you're, you're spot on, Evo, <laughs> because they are going to run the guy 30 times. And, and if, the key for Green Bay, Evo, is they've got to keep this guy to like a buck 20, right? Not 210, something like that. I mean, Henry's as good as it gets. I mean, he, uh, again, kind of flip a coin between him and Cook in Minnesota. Um, in, in terms of the best running back in, in, in the league. But, you know, we're, we're talking 15 touchdowns, Ebo, over five yards to carry. Uh, I look at his last two games. He's, he's 147 the other day against the Lions, and he comes out of that game early. He's 215 the week before against Jacksonville. So right there, Ebo puts him at, at, what, 362 in the last two weeks. He does that coming home and the old, down the stretch here, and he's going over 2,000 yards. I mean, so he's in the middle of, obviously, of an all-time, you know, top 10 running back type of a season. He's as good as it gets in this league. Uh, Packer Nation fully understands the number one Achilles heel of this defense is stopping the run. Um, but again, Evo, I, I, I go back to this. And, and, and again, Green Bay has to prove that they've made strides in this area before the postseason, right? I mean, the 49ers ran the ball against Green Bay 42 out of 50 times in that NFC Championship game. When asked to name his favorite family members, he asks if the animals in the barn count. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. We're going to take a look at a story that has been unfolding over the last couple of months in Greene County in just a moment, as well as your markets. But first, let's take a look at what happened on this day in history. It was on December 24th, 1923, that Calvin Coolidge, who was the president at the time, 
lit up the first national Christmas tree. So it was almost 100 years ago that we had our first national Christmas tree at the White House. Not only was it the first White House Christmas tree, but it was also the first to be decorated with electric lights. That tree stood 48 feet tall, and it came from President Coolidge's home state of Vermont. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe the Christmas tree at the White House this year is from West Virginia. So now you know. Like I said, it's Christmas Eve, and my name is Josh Scramlin, and right now I am sitting behind the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk taking a look at what is happening in your world on a Thursday. Well, I've told you that I have an update for you on the situation that we've seen happening in Greene County. The patron farmers of the Maple Leaf Cheese Cooperative will be paid by Christmas, so tomorrow, after the bankruptcy court approved a motion earlier this week to release funds for November milk payments. So if you remember, the cooperative had filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy to restructure its debts and then to have time to find a new partner as a result of its long-term partner, Maple Leaf Cheesemakers, ending its cheesemaking contract with the cooperative. So right now the cheese plant is currently closed until it can be reopened in the next three to four months. And Jeremy Meyer, who is the president of the cooperative, says that Making sure that farmers are getting paid and staying in business is the key to keeping the cooperative together as they look for a new cheese-making partner. Meyer says that now their goal is to keep the cooperative and its milk supply together while a new partner is found and the cooperative can rebuild for a stronger future. Just to give you some context, this cooperative is 110 years old. And on top of that, it is made of 25 dairy farm families. So that is the situation happening in Monroe, which is located in Greene County. And as we find out more about that as the days go on, we will keep you updated. We're going to keep talking about cheese making, but for this, we're actually going to go to a different state. A big dairy state, though, so don't worry. With that, I toss it to Miles Ramsey. Miles? Bruton, Minnesota. Population, less than 800. Crowds travel from near and far to the rural community in search of delicious artisan cheeses produced at Redhead Creamery, a family dairy that's grown with the next generation to include cheesemaking. One of the owners and operators, Lucas Schustrom, explains the multi-generational impact dairy farms provide to a community. In a dairy farm, uh, you're going to be here for generations if you uh, uh, put a footprint down like we have here. And I think that creates good leaders on our school boards, our local townships. So I think that's something that's kind of missed the social fabric that dairy farmers maybe hold together. Schustrom, who also serves as executive director for the Minnesota Milk Producers Association, says that dairy farming is a long-term business and one that's far more important to society than most realize. When a calf is born, that is basically a five-year business plan. You're not going to make money back on that calf born until five years later on a dairy farm. So when you think about that, when we pour concrete, when we put up buildings, that's a generational commitment. Investing in the community, supporting other local businesses, and building strong school systems are all areas of interest for the nation's dairy producers, Schostrom says. And rural areas benefit greatly when producers stay in business. Dairy farmers ship a perishable product that needs to be produced with high standards and delivered fresh. This means local service is important, and so too is choosing companies where you have a personal relationship. His advice for making it in the long term? We're really good at producing our feed. We're really good at taking care of our cows so they're hitting optimal production and reproduction and everything that goes with it. But I think we need to think a lot more about managing risk, and that includes human resources. 
that includes financial management. If we can get that right, I think we're going to have dairy farmers that last for generations to come. Especially during an extremely volatile year like 2020, Schuström says finding ways to manage risk is essential. Working with bankers, insurance agents, and others helps ensure profitability. For Redhead Creamery, the path forward includes staying committed to serving their community, producing quality cheeses, and caring for their herd of registered Holsteins. I've grown up on a registered Holstein farm, and this has always been a registered Holstein farm. And the reason for that is essentially that we see them as adding value. Uh, Our our cows can produce uh, just as much cheese pounds or more than those other breeds. And they have a lot more value at harvest, a harvest of the animal. So for us, it's an easy win. So we feel really confident that we're using the best animals we can for our cheese. Redhead Creamery was recently featured in the Holstein America documentary series. Visit HolsteinUSA.com to watch the program and learn more. For Holstein Association USA, I'm Miles Ramsey. All right, Miles, thank you so much for that great report from our neighboring state. And now let's take a look at your opening markets from Chicago. March corn is going to open at 447 and a quarter. That's up three and three quarters of a cent. May corn is also up three and three quarters of a penny at 448 and a quarter, while January beans are up 11 and a half cents at 1258 and three quarters. And March beans are up 10 pennies at 1260 even. March wheat is at 629 and three quarters. That's up 12 and three quarters. And May wheat is up 11 cents at 627 and three quarters of a cent. As for dairy, butter is at 152 and a half. Black cheddar is at 164 and three quarters. While cheddar barrel is at 150 and a half. And then as for your class three fluid milk contracts, January milk is up 64 cents at 1702. And February milk is up 60 cents at 1780. It's an abbreviated trading day today, remember. And for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. It's that time of year for giving and taking. With so many people shopping online because of the pandemic, this holiday season, we are expected to have a record-breaking year for home deliveries and those pesky porch pirates. These adventurous thieves feast on crimes of opportunity, often finding their treasure in apartment complexes and vulnerable front porches. If you'd like to keep your deliveries, Madison Erie Crime Stoppers has a few package theft prevention tips. Have your packages held at your local carrier facility for pickup. Take advantage of ship to store for curbside pickup or check out Amazon's locker feature. You can request that your package have a signature confirmation upon delivery. Ask your carrier to place packages in an area out of view have packages delivered to your work schedule delivery for times you will be home have packages delivered to a neighbor who is home or install a video doorbell since they are already on your property and porch some of these porch pirates will also check for unlocked doors so make sure that the exterior of your home and any vehicles are locked up every day and night if you have any information regarding porch pirates please contact madisonary crime stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com individuals contacting crime stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward Believe it or not, interest rates are the lowest in history, and now is the time to refinance. If you want to save some money on your mortgage every month, it's very quick and easy. Allow me to show you all of your options. Just give me a call, and we'll get the process started. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222-652. All of us at McFarland's in Sauk City would like to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and remind you that more than 700 years before Christ's birth, the prophet Isaiah wrote, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
We pray this Christmas brings you and your family back to the one who started the Christmas tradition. McFarland's, one block south of Highway 12 at 780 Carolina Street in Sauk City, where service and Christmas is a family tradition. A man that knows any food tastes better when deep fried and served on a stick. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. There's been so much happening in the markets this week that it's tough to figure out where to even begin, but we're going to go ahead and try to tackle this 5,000-pound beast by bringing in Matt Trannell. He is a market advisor with EverAg, which is located in Platteville. Matt, thanks for joining us this morning on uh, Christmas Eve. And we've had a couple days to digest the stimulus package that is coming out of Washington. It looks as though things are in limbo at the moment, but let's break down what we know is in the package that has passed Congress at this point and what that means for the markets. Yeah, so honestly, there there are a few pieces that we do know, and uh, but there are there is still a lot of uncertainty in regards to the overall uh, product and the overall bill and how it's going to affect area. But there are some more uh, some more pieces that are known. So uh, Congress did pass a stimulus bill earlier this week, and uh, it was called the COVID relief bill. Uh, ultimately. Uh, the big piece that everybody is trying to figure out is the line within the bill that says no less than $1.5 billion to fund purchases of food for distribution to those in need. And uh, it sounds like the Secretary of Ag is going to have a lot of latitude in regards to uh, how that all plays. But most people are uh, coming into uh, that line with the assumption that we're talking food box, which has not by any means been officially said. But uh, it lines up a lot like food box has in the past. They want to purchase dairy. They want to purchase fruits and vegetables. They want to purchase livestock, meat products. And so most of it certainly sounds very, very similar to what we've seen in past uh, announcement. Do we know anything as far as a start date, how long it would go on for? I mean, th- that's obviously going to have a huge impact on people's mindsets right now when it comes to the marketplace. The start date has not been determined. The length of time has not been determined. So could it be first quarter? Could it be first half? There's a lot of question marks to that end, but they did say no less than $1.5 billion would be spent upon uh, that particular piece. There is a piece within it also uh, called the Dairy uh, Donation uh, Program. And so there's $400 million uh, set aside that is uh, not going to start later than 60 days of enactment. And a lot of this also is up to the discretion of the Secretary of Ag. Uh, Basically, dairy cooperatives and processors that incur expenses within the federal milk marketing order would be eligible to Uh, be within this program. And the goal is to, believe it or not, reduce some of the volatility and return some of the class of milk relationships to more normal levels. If you watch the market this week, you would uh, take that line and just shake your head because you're like, uh, I don't think that that, uh, I don't think that uh, at this point has accomplished that particular goal that they have. There's also $400 million within the bill uh, that goes to food banks through the Emergency Food Assistance Program, and to, and that also purchases food such as dairy, but there's many other products that they can they can uh, look at as well. Um, 
And then there was also a supplemental dairy margin program. And this was primarily aimed at uh, dairies of, of a smaller size, but they're looking at any dairies that had less than 5 million pounds of milk being able to put additional pounds into the DMC program so that they can cover more milk with that particular program. So uh, that was another piece. But uh, an interesting piece of the puzzle, and which throws more uncertainty around this entire stimulus bill, is that on Tuesday night, President Trump uh, came out on Twitter and said that unless there is additional cash added to direct payments to uh, Americans, uh, he might actually veto the overall bill and look for additional cash, go from 600 to 2,000 for single uh, persons, and uh, from 1,200 up to 4,000 for married individuals. Uh, Congress still has the ability to override that veto with a two-thirds vote, uh, two-thirds majority vote in both the House and, and Congress. So I guess uh, uh, the House and Senate. So I guess uh, stay tuned. Yeah, we certainly will. Uh, like I said earlier, definitely not a quiet few days leading up to Christmas. Matt Trannell, he is an analyst with Ever Ag in Platteville. He's along with us live right now on the Midwest Farm Report. Matt, taking everything that we just talked about into consideration and the ongoing drama that we're seeing out of Washington, uh, how have the markets been doing the last few days? Yeah, so they've been extremely wild on the Class 3 side. Um, class 4 has been a little bit more tame. You don't typically see nearly as much trade there. And the reason for that is in the, in the previous food box programs, it's primarily been a cheese-dominant uh, type of deal, uh, especially up until the, the last go-round. But uh, cheese is really the one that they're, they're chasing there. Um, this week, I mean, Tuesday, we saw a limit-up move. Um, on Wednesday, we saw a limit-up move early in the session. And... Uh, they actually backed off at one particular time and showed some red on the screen. Uh, and it, uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was very, very wild on both of those days. Um, ultimately, you have a lot of traders trying to get long in the event that it is a food box program because the market had moved on previous occasions, 5 to $7 uh, higher. Um, and you also have dairies that might have hedged earlier on trying to get out of the market. So all of that put together, uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of wild trade going on right now. Pretty much all week we have seen grains just be on a real hot streak, especially soybeans. So what is causing that? Yeah, so grain, grains are on fire. A lot of it started with the uh, weather issues that we've seen in South America. There's still a lot of issues down there. Uh, they're still dry. Uh, especially in Argentina. Brazil's caught some rains. Uh, they could certainly use some more. But Argentina has been lacking on uh, the water end of the spectrum. And Argentina has also had some other issues as far as currency, um, currency volatility. They've had oil seed workers striking at the ports. Um, so the, they're the number one soy meal exporter in the world. And uh, if they're only getting... 25% of their normal capacity out of the country, that creates uh, a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a shortage. And the United States, who just just uh, harvested not so long ago, is the primary location that picks up 
a lot of that business. So we've seen our stocks uh, shrink. We've seen China come in and uh, buy up a bunch of beans for export sales. We're seeing a U.S. dollar fall, so other countries can uh, other countries can buy our product cheaper just based upon a falling U.S. dollar. And I mean, in the countryside, you're hearing that uh, basis numbers on soybean meal is uh, is widening widening, and it's it's becoming more and more tough to pick up some of the physical. And all of that together, along with us taking out the psychological $12 threshold not so long ago, um, has the managed fund community also very long and, and adding positions, uh, it, it, it seems like. So soybeans and soy meal really seem to be the two drivers of the grain complex. Corn is it's certainly tagging along there. They, they, they certainly have a story there as well, but uh, they're also looking at trying to, uh, to buy some acres um, in order to, uh, to uh, kind of keep up. But yeah, we're testing that 450 level on corn. We haven't seen that number since last year's run to 474. Soybeans, we haven't been at this uh, 1260-ish area, basically 2016. And, uh, and wheat's going for a nice ride as well. Market advisor Matt Trannell is along with us right now from Everag in Platteville. Matt, before I let you go, the last thing I got to ask you, we always talk about this report and that report. So as we get towards the end of the year, what are the reports that have come out recently that we should know about? And what are the ones that are going to be coming out that we should know about? Yeah, so we did have the most recent uh, supply and demand report for grains. And for grains, it was a little bit of a yawner on that particular uh, that particular report, it did have very small changes to uh, exports, but typically December is the honor compared to the January. January is the final uh, report on the grain side of things to kind of wrap up the year. Um, I would certainly be keeping a very close eye on what they do with the exports. Uh, we also have to keep a very close eye on if they make any yield changes uh, to corn or soybeans. Uh, one way or the other, as that would uh, certainly alter uh, some of the uh, the ending stocks numbers. Um, so that that would be the primary one to be watching on the grain side of it. Um, the export sales reports are are very important to be watching as well to see if uh, China is indeed still trying to uh, capture more and more product. Uh, to feed their hog herd, which is essentially 30% higher than, than a year ago as we speak right now. And then on the dairy side, it's just kind of keeping an eye on the milk production reports. Uh, this food box program has certainly put more milk production into the system. We were 3% higher year over year and uh, basically 31,000 head the last two months we've added to the herd. Cold storage stocks uh, were up slightly on butter and cheese stocks had an abnormal uh, rise uh, between October and November, so there's certainly plenty of certainly plenty of uh, product out there right now as we speak. But uh, when we're talking dairy, it's it's all about whether they say food box or not just yet. Matt Tran 